Well, hello, everyone. I welcome you to Grace and hope that you've already had a chance to connect with the Lord and maybe connect with a few people even as you came in. This is an amazing and wonderful day. You know, we're in a season right now as a church where God is doing so many awesome things. Um, So many of our ministries are just at a high level. There's a surge in attendance. There's a surge in participation. Uh, Our marriage ministries at Grace are just off the charts in their effectiveness. So many of our small groups are very healthy where people are coming together week after week and cracking open their Bibles and talking about the Lord and, and what Scripture says about Him and His work in our lives. We have mission teams that are just going all over the world, taking the gospel and helping people in practical ways. Uh, our Grace in Action teams are, are busy all around the Capital District, uh, providing practical help, providing hope, uh, a helping hand to people who are really down and out or, or uh, underprivileged. It's just any way you slice it, this is a very exciting season in the life of Grace Fellowship. I'm stoked about all that. All this activity is just, it's just wonderful, and God is being honored. But see, here's my concern. My concern is about those brothers and sisters who definitely believe in Jesus, but they're not meaningfully connected right now to any other Christians, or they're not meaningfully connected to a church anywhere. You see, I don't, I don't know if you, you've thought about this, but, but we're at a point in history where the, where the first time on a major scale, on a major scale, many people actually believe that they can be a flourishing Christian without being meaningfully connected in fellowship with other believers. And as I said last week, according to the New Testament, there's just no such thing. I need the church, and the church needs me. It's not just me, it's you. You need the church if you're a follower of Jesus, and the church needs you. And so last week, I I said there's a question I've been asked dozens of times. Here it is, pastor, people ask it when they're about to move to another state, they've just retired, maybe they've got a new job, whatever. They say, Pastor, how can I find a good church? What should I look for? And I told you last week my standard answer, right? I said, you need to find a church where you can grow the most and serve the best. Now, there's a lot packed into that, but last week we talked about the first part, growing the most, God wants that for every one of us that we would grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He didn't save any of us just to become a slug, just to sit and soak and sour. He wants us to grow into the image of Christ. But today I wanna talk about the second part of that, which is to have a place where I can serve the best, where I can give back, where I can pour my life out. Now, let me tell you what I believe about every follower of Jesus. If that's you, I want you to listen right now, please. Carefully listen. There needs to be a point 
in our lives where we ask this question, why am I here? (laughs) Why am I here? It's not just to breathe the air. It's not just to take up space. It's not to be a cog in a wheel. Your life is not a meaningless, wandering generality. You are not an ant on a log burning in the ocean with no purpose, no direction, no plan. No, 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 no. God designed you with a purpose, and we all need to have that moment. Whether we're young or old, whenever it happens, it's cool, but we need to have that moment where we say, why am I here? What mission? Oh, thank you. It's your purpose in life. Thank you. In case any of you are wondering, that lady is my wife right there. And she had a definite purpose this morning (laughs) to tell me that my jacket was all crooked. Thank you so much, Deb. (laughs) Now I look like my stunning, spectacular self that I usually look like. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, thank you. So we need to ask ourselves, look, why has God put me on the planet. What is God's mission for me? And it's gonna involve getting the focus off of myself and thinking about how God wants me to make a difference in someone else's life. I believe that finding and fulfilling that mission is the key to a flourishing and truly meaningful life. It was a Father's Day, 1974. The day was June the 16th, down in a little town in Tennessee called Leoma, and that's the day that God broke through to me. Now, I was a miserable 13-year-old teenager. I was miserable for this reason. I was resisting the grace of God in my life. You see, I believe the gospel was true. I, I, I had that understanding in my head, but I hope you know that doesn't save a person, right? See, I'm concerned always about people when they believe the gospel, but that doesn't mean they're saved. James reminds us even demons believe and tremble at the thought of how mighty God is and how awesome his works are. They tremble in light of that, but that doesn't mean they're saved. And following and obeying God. No, 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 no. So I was miserable. I still hadn't yielded my life to God. See, here was my problem. I wanted to run my own life. I wanted wanted something for my life, and I wanted to run my life the way I wanted to run it. And oh, I was miserable under the guilt of my sin and under the weight of the fact that I was really the Lord of my life. I was in charge. Well, on that June the 16th, I went to church that evening, and you have never seen a more unhappy young man in your life, utterly despondent. My soul was in agony. And the pastor that evening 
preached a simple message based on Matthew 25. Simple little message, but the Holy Spirit took that and really spoke powerfully to me through the word of God. The message wasn't even about salvation at all. But that evening, the message came through loud and clear to me, and I walked forward that evening broken under the weight of my sin, and I repented of that, and I, by the grace of God, turned and received God's forgiveness for my sins. But can I tell you what was strange about that? See, that parable that he preached that night from Matthew 25 I really saw in that a picture of my own life and what God wanted to do. In fact, it's a strange thing. It doesn't always happen this way, but, but my salvation and God's sense of call in my life were almost simultaneous, almost. They almost came together. Let me share with you just a few verses of what the pastor read that evening. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who'd received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But, watch this now, the man who had received the one talent, went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And I, I heard that, and the Spirit was working to me, and I, I had no idea if I was a five-talent, two-talent, or one-talent person. It didn't really matter what I got from the Holy Spirit that night through the Word was that you better use what God's given you. You better ask that question, why am I here? Because I've got a mission for you, Rex Keener. You have no idea. No idea what I wanna do through your life. And some of you are in that same position today. You're listening and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and he's tapping on your heart. He's tapping you on the shoulder as it were and saying, I've got a mission for you. But the question is, what are you gonna do with what you've been given? You see, if you've been at Grace long, you've probably heard me mention that there are really only two questions in life that truly matter, just two, not 50, not 37, not 279, just two questions that really matter, and they are the salvation question and the stewardship question. Salvation question, what did I do with Jesus Christ? Did I yield to him? Did I acknowledge him as the only Lord and Savior? Did I respond to his grace, repent of my sin, follow him as Lord, or did I reject him, shut him out, ignore him? That's the salvation question. The stewardship question, though, is what did I do with everything he gave me? Because he gave me a lot. He put me on this planet for a purpose, how did I use that? How did I respond to that? Brothers and sisters, every one of us needs to answer that question also. 
Oh, I hope, oh, I hope you've answered the salvation question. Nothing more important than that. Our eternity hinges on the answer and our response to that question. But once that's been answered, and we're truly following Jesus, yielding to his grace, we'd better ask the stewardship question. What am I gonna do with everything he's given me. And I crossed over the line that night. And as I told you, it was weird. I know it's weird. It doesn't happen this way with everyone. But I, in that very evening, knew God had a purpose for me. I can't explain it. But I walked out of the service that evening elated. I've used these words. I hesitate to say it. I felt like I was floating out. Because I knew that I was forgiven and I knew that I was free and I knew that God had a future for me. He has a future for you. What are you doing with what you've been given? We all need a place. We all need a a place where we can serve the best. So if that's you, if you're really saying, look, I'm all in on that. Pastor, you don't need to convince me. I believe that God does want to do something with my life, big or small, it may be very well known, it may be totally behind the scenes, it doesn't matter. Trust me, folks, the leaders in heaven, the ones who are in the front of the stand in heaven are not gonna be people you've heard of on earth for the most part. They're gonna be humble servants who serve faithfully behind the scenes. Nobody knew their name, but boy, did they make a difference. And they used what they had been given. So there's some questions that are helpful. I want us to think about those. What are some questions that are helpful in discovering where I can serve the best? So if that's you, if you want to know that, here's some questions I would urge you to ask and answer. Number one, what are my God-given spiritual gifts? Somebody stopped you on the street, talking to Christians now, disciples of Jesus, and said, hey, hey, what are your gifts? What are your spiritual gifts? Would you know how to answer that? If not, not putting a heavy load on you here today, not trying to guilt you at all, but you just need to know that, really. Honestly, if any fellow believer stopped you and said, what are your spiritual gifts? You ought to know what they are. And if you don't know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a suggestion in a few minutes of how you can find out, all right? Some of you are gifted musically to play an instrument or to sing beautifully, to glorify God and edify others. Are you using that? Perhaps you have a spiritual gift of teaching or preaching. Are you using that? Do you have a spiritual gift of mercy and service where you love to come alongside people and provide some practical help in some way? Maybe you have a gift of just explaining God's word to people. It's marvelous. He's given you so much insight and knowledge. Are you using that gift? See, here's the thing. In all of the emphasis in the Bible on gifts, here's the message that comes through. Whatever God has given you, don't sit on that gift. Put it to work for God's cause and his kingdom. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans puts it like this in chapter 12. As each of us, just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, 
So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. So that's this is the first question you need to ask. What are my gifts? Oh, I'd love to spend a lot more time on that, but we need to move on. Second question is, what skills have I acquired? What skills have I acquired? Now, I'm talking here about abilities, aptitudes, these skills that you have that aren't necessarily on a biblical list. It's that you can't go to Ephesians 4, Romans 12. You can't go to 1 Corinthians 12 or 14 and find these on a list anywhere necessarily, but they are things that you have skill in doing. I know a lot of medical doctors at Grace who love to take the skills they've acquired and they love to go, whether it's to some camp and serve just free for a week to bless people, to take care of people, or they love to go to the mission field and use those skills, those abilities in serving the underprivileged. Maybe you're a carpenter. Boy, you just can do wonders with wood and with materials. And the, the question is, well, what are you doing? Well, maybe you're earning a living with that. Awesome, that's an awesome and honorable thing, okay? That, in fact, that, when properly understood, that's like worship to God. When we use the abilities he's given us and do something good with them, but are using them to serve in terms of just helping people. Maybe you could join one of our Grace in Action teams and go and and help fix something in a widow's house somewhere where, where maybe she just has no resources. There's all kinds of ways. Maybe you've got computer skills, practical skills that you could put to use coming to the church office and just serving for a few hours a week and helping with some data entry or something like that. Maybe you've got a skill in decorating or sewing or communicating or fixing things. I'm convinced that every one of God's kids has some skills. And here's what I've noticed. Usually he matches up an opportunity with those skills that he's given us. I love 1 Peter chapter four. It's one of my favorite little sections which talks about how God gives us these things. And it says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it. In other words, I told you, everywhere you see anything about gifts, the basic message is do something with it. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God provides. And notice the outcome, so that in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. So whether it's a spiritual gift on a list in the Bible or whether it's a skill that God's given you an aptitude for and you've worked on it and honed that skill, it doesn't matter. God wants you to use it in service to others. But oh, I love this third question. Third question is, what are my, what are my passions? and desire, the ones God has put in my soul. We've all got them. Can I tell you something? There's some things I just have no interest in. None. 
like yard work. <laughs> I believe that's the curse from Genesis, yard work. I just, I have zero. I don't even want to learn how to do anything. Fixing things around the house. Thank God for Debbie. I'm telling you. <laughs> She's the one who fixes things, not me. Oh, I have a willing heart, but I just have no, I just have no interest whatsoever in those kind of things. You see what I'm saying? But boy, there are other things. You give me a theology book and I'll devour it. I'm interested. I've got a passion for that. I've got a desire for that. See, here's the thing, don't miss this. God gave you that passion. God put some desires and passions in your heart. Some of you have a desire to solve global poverty, a desire to go and help people who don't have clean drinking water. God put that passion in you. Some of you have an incredible passion or desire for people that are homeless, hurting, hopeless, living out on the streets. God put that passion, that desire in you. All Christians should be caring and compassionate, but no, you like have a real heavy dose of that. God put that in you. And I've noticed that God often puts God-given passions and God-given appointments together. Let me say that again. God-given passions and God-given appointments often are closely aligned. So these are all good questions to ask. What are my spiritual gifts? What are my skills? What are my passions and desires? And if you don't know what those are, I would urge you, I really urge you to take a class that we offer. Oh, I wish it were happening today or tomorrow. It's not. But I'm, gonna ask, I'm just gonna ask you to put a marker in your calendar for this class. I'm gonna ask you to go to our website to sign up for this. Ask someone in the lobby. This is a class called Discovering Your Design for Ministry. You notice it's a few weeks from now, February the 4th. It starts at 12.30 p.m. This is taught by one of our pastors, Tim Kong, and I wanna tell you, it is amazing. If you don't know these things about yourself that I've just talked about, I strongly urge you to sign up for that class, take that class. It is a game changer for so many people. But can I tell you something? Many of us stop asking questions right there. Okay, okay, I, I kind of got a handle on that now. I kind of know these things. But it's a tragedy because we should never stop with those three questions. Because I want to tell you right now, while it would be awesome if our God-given gifts and our skills and our passions all lined up in one mighty stream of effectiveness, boy, wouldn't that be awesome if every life could have that. But it doesn't always happen. In the Bible, so many of the people that God called to do something, they didn't feel gifted or passionate toward it at all. At all, at least at first. So there's an important fourth question that we need to ask. What practical needs do I see around me? That's the question that a real servant asks. 
If something needs to be done, I'll do it, even if I'm not qualified, because one of the most important things I've learned about God, look at this now, this is one of the most important things I've learned about our mighty God. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualified the called, amen? It's just a biblical concept. It's just true in real life. That passes the road test of life. Listen, I wasn't at all qualified when God called me. I knew nothing, zip. I, I, I didn't know which way was up, but God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And if you see a need around you, listen, you may go, well, I don't know how to meet that need. I, don't, I, I have no concept of how to do that. But if he calls you, he'll qualify you. If he calls you, he'll qualify you. The servant's job is just to respond to the call. God's job is to qualify you over time. And some of the most effective ministries I know, not only at Grace Fellowship, but out in the Capital District, are led, are led superbly by men and women that had no sense of qualification when God called them. They just had the audacity to say yes when God tapped them on the shoulder. And I believe God's gonna speak to some of you today and go, listen, I've got something for you to do. There's a need here that needs to be addressed and I'm calling you to step up to the plate and begin to address that need. Our great God is in the business of qualifying the people that he calls. I love a phrase from Blaise Pascal, the great mathematician, philosopher, scientist, strong Christian. He said, Lord, help me do big things as if they were little because I do them with your power. And help me to do little things as if they were big because I do them in your name. And as we think about being good stewards and using what God has entrusted to us, I think now we need to ask a second major set of questions here. What goals does God have in mind? What, what goals does God have in mind? You say, Pastor, you've said today so far that look, God has a mission for everybody. It may be totally behind the scenes. Nobody even knows what it is. It might I'm, not, I'm being serious now. It might be trying to beautify every place you go to look for trash or to straighten things up everywhere you go. Nobody even knows you're doing it. But you're making a difference. It might be something nobody's ever heard of. What goals does God have in mind as he calls us? I think you'll see at least two big goals, two big goals coming through. One is God wants his church to be built up. He wants his church to be built up. As we use what he's given us, the body of Christ is built up. That's why I say, I need the church. And the church needs me. Some of you aren't gonna believe what I'm about to say. 
The church needs you in order to be healthy. Nah, you don't believe that. So a bunch of, bunch of you sitting here right now and go, that is a lie. The church doesn't need me to be healthy. You're absolutely wrong. If he called you here, now that's the caveat. If he called you here, the church needs you in order to be healthy. That's the truth. In other words, what God had in mind for Grace Fellowship will never be fully complete unless you use what he's given you. How many times have you heard a basketball coach say, and we're not gonna, this team's not gonna reach our full potential unless we got five players out on the four really going for it. We can't have two or three or one. We gotta have all five players all out, leaving it all on the floor, or we're gonna fall short. That's a church. (laughs) Churches like that, it's awesome potential. But if only 20 or 30% of the people are meaningfully engaged and connected and using what God's given them, then we're, we're gonna fall short. We're not gonna be the healthiest church God had in mind and we'll never reach our God-given potential. Now, I realize that there are so many areas, I want you to hear this part, outside of the auspices of Grace Fellowship where you can serve and make a difference, and I hope you are. In fact, while we need people to staff the identified ministries at Grace, we need people to minister to children, to minister to couples who are going through challenges and struggles and need we need people to teach bible studies we need people to greet we need people to help in the parking lot we need all kinds of people to serve at grace i hope you get that but but that's never never going to be the end of it it should never be the end listen god's biggest work goes outside the auspices of this church i hope we all understand that God's goals for you may be to make a difference in your office where you work. God's goal for you may be to start a parachurch organization outside of the church and meet a practical need out there in the world. But God has a place for you to serve, and I strongly urge you to ask the question, How can I do that? One of God's goals is that his church would be built up and become all he designed it to be. Finally, one of the goals is for me, for you, for us as individuals to flourish. I wanna tell you folks, the most flourishing people I know are followers of Jesus Christ. They get it. They're vitally connected to the Lord. They're meaningfully connected to brothers and sisters in Christ. They know who they are. They know their gifts. They know their skills. They know their passions and desires. And they're using them to make a difference in the lives of others. Those are the most flourishing people I've ever met. Jesus gave us his mission statement in Mark's gospel 
when he said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was Jesus, Jesus' formula for flourishing right there, to give his life away in service to others. Now, he had a unique mission that I cannot emulate. (laughs) He came first to die as the only all-sufficient savior of the world. He is the savior of the world. I am not, nor are you. So that part of his mission to serve, we can never fulfill. It's not for us. But we can emulate Jesus when it comes to service. And he made a difference practically in the lives of the people around him not just for their salvation, but to make their life better. And if you're looking for a place to make a difference in Jesus' name, I urge you to think about reaching out to some people that may not be in your circle of friends right now. That's exactly what Jesus did. He reached out to people that others had rejected. So let me ask you a question. How long has it been since you allowed a new friendship, a new relationship in your life? How long has it been? (laughs) I don't know what you think about the corporate world and organizations like Walmart and so on. Whenever I want a cultural experience, I go to the Walmart in Troy. I just just wanna learn. I just, wanna, I just wanna go and observe human nature, and so I go to Walmart to do that. I don't know, I don't, that's just what I do. But, but I am so impressed by so many of the leadership things that Sam Walton, the founder, long since dead, but the founder of Walmart did. Can I tell you what he, in the early days in Bentonville, Arkansas, can I tell you what he instilled in those employees in the early days? It was called the Sam Pledge. The Sam Pledge. Here it is. Let me read it for you. From this day forward, every customer that comes within 10 feet of me, he's teaching the employees to do this. Regardless of what I'm doing in this place, I'm going to look them in the eye. I'm going to smile. I'm going to greet them with a good morning or good afternoon or what can I do for you? So help me, Sam. (laughs) That's called the Sam Pledge. Can you imagine what would happen at Grace if every true follower of Jesus made a similar pledge? Said, Lord, as I get together with God's people today, when people are even within 10 feet of me, listen, I'm gonna smile. I'm gonna look them in the eye. I'm gonna ask them how they're doing. Hey, is there anything I could do for you? How are you today? So help me, God. Oh, I think the church would come alive. I think the sleeping giant would come alive if we just did that. So friend, as I close, let me say this. God has a mission for you. You are not on this planet by accident. He has a place, he has a mission. And that mission is good. Ask yourself the question, why am I here? 
and do not let yourself fully rest until you begin to get some answers to that question. Father, thank you so much for your design and your plan for us. Thank you that you've designed the church to be your representatives in this world. And I say with all sincerity, Lord, I need your people. I need your church. And the church needs me. And may every true disciple of yours today say the same. I need the church. And the church needs me. Father, thank you for the ways you're growing us. Thank you for this incredible season we're in, all the exciting things that are going on. We're so grateful because you're the author, you're the architect of all of it. Lord, may we, as we live this out, may we flourish in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.